studio audience, uh, which we love having. Um, and I want to mention at the beginning that we are actually putting this show out to everyone. Thursday is often a members-only show, but I just felt the things we're going to talk about and the importance of where we are in America, I want to have this available for everyone. So this is not just members-only. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our guest today is named Doug Billings. And I know a lot of conservatives, when I say the name, they go, oh, I love that guy. So Doug Billings, he also has a show called The Right Side. Uh, he is a podcaster, or I used to really tell my listeners not to say podcaster because it had a little bit of a, you know, kind of people in their basement huddling and maybe not totally informed. It's an okay <laughs> word. This is a podcast. His is a podcast. And the reason I wanted to have him come and talk with you is because he really has been very active in participating in these um, these uh, programs that are going around the country. Clay Clark is sponsoring. Clay Clark, who is based in Tulsa, and he uh, has his own Thrive Time show, and he has begun doing reawakening tours around the country. I've mentioned my show many times. Clay was on the show last week talking about those uh, tours, too. I want to really be talking about the impact and effect of, of holding summits, holding conferences, speaking up around America, helping people um, hear from a variety of speakers, a variety of thinkers about what is happening to this country. So Clay Clark started these reawakening tours, and there's one here in Dallas, or actually north of Dallas, in a little uh, a town called Frisco, just a little bit north, and it's going on right now. It's actually today, Friday and Saturday. I'll be speaking on Saturday at noon, so if you don't have tickets, I think they might be sold out, but sometimes... I don't know. You might go on the website at thrivetime.com and just see if you might be able to get tickets. They have fabulous speakers basically covering all the issues that are of concern to patriotic Americans. But our guest today, Doug Billings, actually spoke today at noon. And I, want, I was so grateful he was available to come in and talk with us about how he sees the challenges America faces. So let me introduce Doug Billings. Hi, Debbie. Good to be here with you and the audience. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. I'm so glad you're available, and I'll just mention for our listeners, this is Jet the dog. I love dogs. I mean, he, you better hold on to his leash. You might be looking yep. for him at the end. Yep. Take him home with me. I love, love dogs, and he's a great guy. Okay, so what I want to do uh, is just talk about, you know, so often the show we have experts on the border and tax policy and military policy and all sorts of profoundly important things, COVID policy and vaccination mandates, all those things. I want to talk more today, though, about the general, the mission of conservatives to wake more Americans up and recognize how, what the scope of the danger, what the issues are that America is facing. And Doug Billings has been just, just stellar in bringing those issues up. So I want to start with, you have the show, The Right Side. Uh, as I, you heard me say in the introduction, I hear all sorts of people saying, I love that guy. How, why did you decide to start this podcast? Well, thanks, Debbie. So I, I didn't have a choice, really. In February of 2020, I, I was... Uh, the vice president of human resources for a, a healthcare company, which will go nameless for the sake of them. But uh, um, in February of 2020, as you recall, we all recall, I think that, that was the beginning of all of this nonsense. And it really is nonsense. I have called COVID and the hysteria that surrounds it the biggest nothing burger in the history of hysteria, really. 
So I, I, I we, <laughs> nothing burger in the history of history. I'm going to steal that line. Go it ahead. is. It <laughs> is the complete. It is the largest nothing burger. I mean, uh, imagine a virus that statistically 100 percent of us will survive. Uh, the, the world economy is being shut down, wrecked and damaged. It, it's it's just nonsense. So as that all began to happen in the United States, I as the VP of HR, you know, as as members of the executive committee were beginning to consider masking up and sequestering people that would come in and social distance. I looked at what I saw in the data, specifically death certificates and numbers of people that they said were dying from COVID. And um, I said, hang on just a second. And so we were the largest hospital administration team in the country. I said, let's take a look at those numbers just for a minute. 10,000 people at that time were listed as dead from COVID. Well, the long story short is that of those 10,000, only 200 were dead from COVID when it was the primary cause of death. COVID can kill you if you're medically fragile. So can the flu, so can a lot of other things. So I, I made a presentation to the executive board that we will not mask up, we will not social distance. This appears to be a myth and something that we need to watch. Well, two weeks later, I was promptly furloughed from uh -huh. HCA, of course. So I started the right side uh, in, in my house, a spare bedroom, converted it into a studio. Not nearly as nice as this one and with a live audience, but I do invite people to watch around the world. And it, it's just in, in less than 20 months, it's just become, I mean, we have four and a half million people that watch this show every month. Um, it's a God thing. And it's not because Doug Billings is the host. It's because people are hungry for the truth and a conservative message that is consistent, which they can't find, in, as you know, in the mainstream media. So, I mean, we went through the YouTube phase and all of that before we were, we were cut down and became friends with General Flynn. We had millions of people over there. YouTube, of course, said, see you later. If you're conservative, conservative, and if you get high numbers, they'll just, they'll, as you know, they I will. I say yes, as I know you. too, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's how the right side was born. I, I was furloughed. I looked at the country. Uh, I just felt as if somebody needs to say something. And I had no idea of podcasting. I mean, I once upon a time when I was in college, I was a radio disc jockey, but I mean, it was nothing on this level. And, and so I just felt like I needed to say something and do something. And here we are, and we've interviewed everyone from Flynn to Mike Lindell to, we'll have Eric Trump on. I mean, it's going to be incredible. I mean, it, it's just been a, quite a ride. My prayer was always, God, just help me not go back to corporate America. Help me, help <laughs> yeah. me make a living speaking the truth. And it's as if God, and I'm sure you have a sense of this, God had plucked me out of what I was doing and said, you know, Doug, you've done your own thing for quite a while. Now I really need you to step over here. And I think there's a lot of people, whether or not you're behind a microphone or whether or not you're the members of an audience that are now waking up, that are that feel that tap on the shoulder from God and it's, you need to wake up. Yeah, I have my own story along those lines, which I have told my listeners about in the past, but I won't do that right now, except to say you do recognize you're being called and, and you need to respond. And America needs people like you, just serious, substantive thinkers willing to research, understand the issues, present the issues, and then make the argument with the American people. I was listening to some of your shows in preparation for this. I love that you say daily dose of intellectual maturity. Yes. <laughs> and that's like, right. and contrast to the left, which is just filled with intellectual immaturity is actually a nice way. It's just mostly poppycock. Yeah. It's just yeah. foolishness. That, yeah, that's one of our mantras. We, we, one of the taglines of the show is where we point out the intellectual immaturity of liberals. They have nothing substantive on which to stand. It's all radical. It's nonsense. It's not when you analyze what they're saying, it's not only not true, but it's dangerous what they say. Right.
Well, you also have one line other that I like too. You calling the left the communo socialists? Communo socialists, yes. Okay. You know, I, I'm constantly on my show saying. Marxist, socialist, communist, all the same thing. Don't let them argue and nuance you into distinctions. Yeah. I like making one word out. Oh, it's pretty fun. Okay. Another thing I might steal from you. I just might. Okay. Anyway. But, but, you can just have these things. You can have. Okay. It's, a, it's like HR. Everything is communal property. Oh, I got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One thing you did, I want you to tell a little bit about the summits you've held or conferences you've held. You had one in July and one very recently, early December, uh, in Branson, Missouri, which is, I'm sorry, are you based in Missouri? Where are you based? Uh, yeah, Kansas City. Kansas City. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you have those two. And they're another example. I will tell you very quickly, I'll tell our listeners. So as if you listen to the show very often, you know, we had a summit in September of this year. And it was, in fact, right in this hotel, one of the big conference rooms. And it was, we ended up just feeling so grateful. I mean, all these great speakers, I mean, people I really wasn't sure I could get. And they, they are just, the people are really deep thinkers. They can't wait to tell America what's happening. Whether we, we focused on the border, COVID policy, uh, immigration policy. We had speakers on, on just a range of issues and they're really substantive. And, and you just felt at the end of the day, everyone who left sat and listened, and they thought, you know, I learned something, and I can take that home and spread it around. That's why you have these. I want you to talk right. about, first tell our listeners about the ones you had. If you have more coming up, plan, tell about that. Sure. Thank you. So I think it's important that we all realize that when, when we look at these kinds of events, patriots, since even before our republic was founded, we've gathered together to speak truth to power and hold those in, a, in power accountable to managing, running, and, and maintaining our republic. So... My conferences are called the Determined Patriotism Conference. Another catchphrase that I have on the show is yeah. we meet in determined prayer and determined patriotism. I think, you know, determined prayer is probably a little bit obvious. You know, prayer is needed. We, we certainly are. You know, the conservative movement in America is we are the party of God. We're the party of life. We believe that the founding fathers intended God and his divine providence to be part of the fabric of this republic, including teaching God in public schools. They all intended that. It's, that's not a myth. That's not a platitude. That's simply the truth. And then determined patriotism is the part where we gather to do the hard work of all. And I'm sure we'll talk about that here in a moment. But the conferences are, you're right, there are speakers who will come uh, on their own dime and speak to people about a number of topics. It could be medical tyranny, could be the crisis at the border, could be hope in America, um, could be the jab in its contents. We have Karen Kingston, who I actually, I will say, and I said in Branson, I said, which Andy Williams and her, his uh, widow, Debbie Williams, was, was there last in July. And she said, you know, Andy discovered the Osmond family. You discovered Karen Kingston. You should run with that one. I said, okay, I will. So Karen was there. And we have, you know, Dr. Brian Artis. I'll just name a few. Clay Clark came and spoke. He gave a tremendous uh, speech. But you're right. We do this to speak truth to power, but also to motivate, educate, and inspire these people the, and, and to get the information and the education they need to go back home into the local level to reclaim our republic. Because I have news, not that you don't know this in your audience, who is of course among the most intellectually mature of all podcast right. audiences, you understand that it's going to take the local level and work within the local level by us patriots to reclaim it. This is not going to happen just by itself. And we, if, if we're honest with ourselves again, and I'm sure we may talk about this today, uh, we have not been involved enough as conservatives in this process. So my conferences and my summits are designed to, to motivate and inspire people to go back home and get involved and reclaim the republic.
Love that thought. And on that subject, I will tell you, when I, I actually wrote a book called Ladies Can We Talk, and it was mm-hmm. in 2013. I basically was speaking to women voters saying, stop voting to destroy America. It was even, I mean, it was the middle of the Obama era, but we weren't as crazed as the left is now. But even then I was talking about, you have to get invested in saving the country and you have to understand the way you vote and who you put in power, they're actually, the left is taking away our freedom. At the time, I taught, I say, you know, I wrote to save America. And, and you got a lot of people, you see a kind of, well, what do you, ta- just a puzzled look in their face, like save America, and I don't know about that. Every place I speak now, I mean, I say save America, audience is nodding along. No one is wondering yeah. what you're talking about anymore. Right which is a tribute to the conservatives who started to call out what the left is doing uh, and, and expose uh, critical race theory, the LGBTQ agenda, the abandonment of the border, the driving of God out of the public square and public. I, I think that for the first time, conservatives feel more organized. We're not organized like leftists are organized, but still there's more of a, a, co- a common energy. Um, I want to hit a one thing. You, you actually I think this was you and Clay Clark talking before. I guess the most recent, maybe the December one, mm-hmm. where you were talking about this, uh, and I actually think there's a name for it. I think devolution is made the name what they're calling Evolution, the, yes. Yeah, this idea that supposedly, in this conspiracy, conspiracy theory world, you know, even though it appears that Biden was inaugurated and he occupies the White House, it, really Trump is still in charge, and really the military is going to one day ride in and bring Trump back to the White House. This has captured people, and obviously completely false. I want you to kind of repeat what you and Clay said about it, and I want to make some more points about it, but I, that was brilliant. No, thank you. It's so we are plagued, unfortunately, within our movement uh, with some people who will put forth nonsense, and some people will believe the nonsense, and it involves the military being in charge and President Trump still in charge behind the scenes calling the shots. So this is utter nonsense. Um, whether we like it or not, and on my show, I never call him the president. He's always Administrator Biden. <laughs> Because he's not, he is not the president, not the duly elected president of the United States. Now, he occupies the White House. And, you know, we have Obama. You know, you may recall Obama on 60 Minutes. He did an interview some six months ago or so where he said, you know, I rather fancy myself having a third term where I could whisper into a microphone in the ear of the president. And, and so Obama and the left, when they're talking about power grabs, they very rarely lie to you. Now, they'll lie about a whole slew of other things. But when they're talking about their grasp and their desire to have power, they very rarely lie about it. So we really do have Obama calling the shots. We have Susan Rice, his protege, in the White House, in the West Wing with an office. She's, and again, but to think that the military is in charge of this republic and that President Trump would be ushered in on chariots of fire back into power. You know, you have a certain segment of the, of, of the movement, the conservative movement, claiming this, you know, and they will say things like, just enjoy your popcorn. It's a movie. This yeah. is not a movie. This is real life and we are in a nightmare. Now, the thing about it is we wake up from nightmares. And the, the paradox is, Debbie, that these nightmares get, get so bad, they have to get so bad so as to have millions more people wake up to the, to the horror. This chaos that we experience at the border, the, the chaos of the dreadful pullout of Afghanistan, this is not accidental. This is all purposeful chaos. The people coming across the border are the new electoral base of the Communist Party. Let's make no mistake. That's exactly what they want. Here, take this box of ballots and drop them off with that guy in the white van. That's clearly what they want. But the military being in charge, no. That's the demon of cynicism 
and complacency and misinformation, and it's, it's made an entire swath of our movement sit by the sidelines and not get involved in the local level because they were told the military was in charge. Well, then they're just going to take care of it. That's, that's exactly what draws us out of the fight. We can't take ourselves off the battlefield. We've got to be engaged in the battlefield as your local level. You know, I'll, I'll tell people when they, when they challenge me or they were to say, you're telling me that if I'm on a school board, that this whole nightmare would have been avoided? And the short answer is absolutely yes. Enough we, of people like you, yeah. If we were involved in enough numbers yeah. on school boards, our children today would not be faced with unconstitutional mask and jab mandates. I mean, that's just the truth. If we were thoroughly involved in our county legislators, in our legislative meetings, when discussions of, oh, let's just say Dominion, we could have said no to those voting machines. But you see, since roughly 1920, the 1920s, when the Communist Party in America began to rise, and especially since the end of World War II, we've just not been involved as conservatives. And so we got to stop the nonsense. Military is not in charge. The military is not designed to run this republic. The republic is meant and designed to be run by we the people. And if you're looking for a plan, it's we the people. And I've just described a couple of ways how we the people can get involved, school boards, county commissions, et cetera. Love all that. One more point on this whole devolution, Trump's coming back in the military. It not only takes our own serious conservatives, if they believe it, it, it takes them out of the battle. They think, yeah. well, I'm just going to sit no. back, get your popcorn. But it also contributes to how not just leftists, but kind of average Joe Americans who aren't involved in politics, and they, they kind of watch things and, and wait to decide every time how to vote. When they hear those kind of things coming out of the conservative side, and then the media, of course, is easily able to say, okay, you want to hear the next kooky thing? Right. It, it feeds the perception the media tries yeah. to create that the conservatives are kind of kooky, kind of out there. It, it just couldn't be more harmful and, yeah. and, and ridiculous. And yeah, it, I think it needs to be, I, I like what you and Clay, when you ran through it, because it was kind of entertaining, but it has to be rebuked and, and silenced because it makes us look foolish. You're right. Okay. On the subject of activism, I, we said this before we started uh, the show today, but you know, I think there's a many, again, people who aren't all that involved, they kind of think America will always be America. You know, we may have higher tax rates and we don't like them, or we may have a foreign policy we disagree with, but America will never change. And this has been built into the mindset of Americans really almost since the founding, or at least in this century, America's pretty stable and pretty great. And so the concerns when you hear people on the right trying to characterize how radical today's uh, administration is, today's Democrat Party, to think, oh, come on, it's not that extreme. We're, we've been asleep as over, I say, 100 years, whatever years you want to say, the leftist movement, the anti-American um, communist movement has been subtly working away at America while most Americans just thought every day, everything's going to be fine, tomorrow will be the same as today, my job will be there, my house will be there, my... And, and they've been working away with instilling into our young people through the colleges and universities, just anti-American ideology, pro-communist ideology, just uh, anti-American. And then, so that happened, and then you have media complicit and, and involved, and you have Hollywood involved. And so they've been doing it a long time. I'm getting around to today was to say the battle we have now is not just a tiny swath of crazy communists, and most of us are on the, uh, you know, in America are fine. We are facing and fighting back against a battle that's been fought against us for 100 years, you're going to say 60 years, and it's not going to be saved. We're not going to save America by one person, one candidate, one event, one election. It is a recapturing on so many levels 
of what America is and a reinstilling of America's culture with what the truth about America is. I'd love to have you just, I know you think those things roughly too, yep. so I'd love to have you just talk about oh my those gosh. ideas. Yeah, so much to, so I believe that our American Republic is, we have, I, I believe that America was inspired by God, that we're a covenant nation. I believe it in my heart and my soul. I think that we have four divinely inspired documents at our disposal, primarily the Bible. All right, the Bible is the word of God, and it gives us our blueprint of not only how to discover wonder, joy, and meaning in this life, but how to reach ultimately our eternal reward in heaven. I believe that. We also have three other documents, equally inspired by God and written by men, our Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, and our Bill of Rights. Now, America is in a nightmare. I, I mean, I, we, are, we all are experiencing it. We see the destruction of our economy, the shutdown of pipelines. We were, just imagine, just 14 months ago, we were energy independent. Within four weeks of his administration, Administrator Biden shuts down the Keystone Pipeline, and we're now, you know, we've got logistical shipping problems off the coasts. We've got all of these gasoline prices, meat prices, you know, the list goes on and on. They, again, my point being that they are purposefully casting this chaos upon us. It's purposeful. They want us to be in chaos. It's in their playbook. Now, I also believe that our republic is strong. We are, found, we are a covenant nation founded and inspired by God himself. And I think that we are on the cusp of the greatest reawakening to the divine providence of God that has ever captured this nation, including the time of the founders. I think that people are waking up to this. this we're in a spiritual war. I think there are more people talking about God and his holy and divine providence than ever before. I really do believe it. Now, the media will squelch us out, but let me say this. We, the conservative movement, are the vast majority of the people out there. The vast majority. Amen. And there's about that many that believe in this commu-socialist nonsense. Now, the thing is, the media is part of this. And so all we see on TV, it appears at least, as if that's the message, the only message that's being delivered. We have John and Jane Doe on the streets of Dallas, Texas, or Frisco, Texas, or wherever, who might think they're Democrats, who are waking up and they're thinking to themselves and saying out loud, this isn't what I signed up for. Look at what I see across this nation. This is crazy. And they're waking up to our side, to the right side, to the God side. And we, I think, are on the cusp of an incredible reawakening. It's really exciting to be alive. So for all of the people out there who may think that our republic is just on its deathbed, it's not. It is not on its deathbed. America is strong. We are the majority. We just have to get involved. We have to get more involved in the local level. And I get it that at the end of the day, you know, who has the energy to go to a school board meeting for three hours? Well, we all have to have the energy to go do that. We're, we're sound. We are good. We will prevail. Uh, America is going nowhere, but we have to get to work. It, it could. America could go away if we don't get involved. Yeah, and many people now uh, repeat Ronald Reagan's famous line about, you know, someday if you don't really hold on to our republic, we'll be telling our children, I lose track of the language, telling our children one day what America was like when it used to be free. Yeah. And I think, I do think there are a majority of Americans, I mean, I, you know, I often say on my show, if Biden ran on, ran for president and said, you know, um, I'm going to uh, open the border, abandon the border, and everyone come on in. I'm going to spend more money than could, should ever be spent in the rest of American fu America's future. Um, I am going to impose tyranny through COVID and COVID vaccine passports. And, and I mean, yep. if he ran on what he was doing, 
I mean, he, I don't think he won anyway. There was massive election fraud, and he didn't win. But whether you think he did or didn't win, he couldn't have come close to winning. The left always does that. They don't tell you what they're really going to do. They sell their ideas in kind of emotional terms and in kind of heartwarming terms. It's like, we're just trying to make things more fair. And so, but I do think, I agree with you, a whole swath of Americans are opening up. But that kind of uh, leads me to my next thing, which is, so you do your show, I do my show. I don't know how many podcasts. You were at the meeting we went with um, Clay Clark in Tulsa in September. And um, that was actually the weekend after our summit. And um, so there are a lot of people out there saying these things. But the question really is, is what we're doing, and even with the, some of the conferences Clay is doing, are we reaching outside of our choir? Or how do, what do you think? I, I think that, um, again, it, it may well be that in these audiences that Clay draws together and that you draw together in your summits and so forth, it might be that the majority of the people there are in the club. They're in the conservative movement. They are, they're, they're, we're talking to them. They're members of the choir, to use your words. However, I do think there's lots of people. I know, I know several dozen in th this week in Frisco, Texas, that are at Clay's event that are, that are former Democrats that are thinking about, you know, that are waking up to the tyranny and that are coming and, and they want to they want to see for themselves so i do think that it's a process i think these things are absolutely necessary and required and and i'll tell you this you know with regards to the stolen i do think that our election was stolen i do think president trump won there i don't think there's any doubt that he won i mean and people you know, we need to realize we're conservatives we can multitask do we need to fix 2020 absolutely absolutely so we need to have forensic audits and people will say to us, you know, how, what's the litmus test for a good Republican? How do I know that this guy is sound and not a rhino? It's simple. The question that you ask him or her is if you support forensic audits of the 2020 election. If that person says no, they're a rhino and they need to be voted out of office. That's the litmus test right there. Amen. And so I, I love the forensic audit thing. I also really love the canvassing, the canvassing, canvassing that occurred crucial. outside in Maricopa County, Arizona. Yep. And I'm sure you've had the woman on your show named Liz, uh, who did the big mm -hmm. canvas there, orchestrated it. When you have that information, and you have it for a variety of jurisdictions around the country, you really can't argue with, if they're saying, look, right here, Maricopa County said, yep. you know, 23 voters in this yep. residence. How many voters did you have? And they say, well, three. At some point, you can't keep, you know, stick your fingers in your ears and say, no, 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 there was no fraud. So, and I really want to pursue the election fraud issue a little uh, more because I agree. The lit I, I want people to acknowledge, I want candidates to say, yeah, there was outcome changing election fraud. We need to have forensic audits. We need to have canvassing. I also really want, and I will tell you here in the gray state of Texas, people were, you know, were considered very conservative. We could not get the legislature to touch on legislation that would actually begin to protect the electronic voting tampering, the, the electronic manipulation of voter tabulation yep. software. Yep. Wouldn't touch it. In fact, talked by many senior people in Texas. Uh, we're not going to go there. Can't do that. And I'm concerned because I don't know how you can really fix election fraud if you don't work on that issue. I don't think one state was willing to go after that issue. Yep. Your thoughts? I, so I agree with you. I, it, it's very important. It, it's frustrating on so many levels that it doesn't happen faster. We, we have, so Arizona is a prime example where we have audits and, and we have now that the fraud within this last election is now proven. Fraud is now fact. That, that has been proven beyond any reasonable doubt. To not believe that, I'm sorry, is to be intellectually immature, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's absolutely true. So, but we have in Arizona, we have two rhinos. There are literally two Republicans who are really Democrats 
who are holding up this process. So we have to do a couple of things. One is, and I tell people this all, we have to give ourselves the blessing to have patience. Give yourself permission to have patience with this process. There is no quick fix. If you go back and watch President Trump's speech in Alabama that he gave probably about five or six months ago, it's the one where he brought out you know, that film clip of General Patton and so forth and so on. He, for the first time, said this is, there's no quick fix. There is no quick fix to this issue. The second thing I want to make sure that your audience is clear on is there are some members in our movement, some tier one influencers that are very popular and famous, who are encouraging people not to vote until 2020 is fixed. This is catastrophic. That is the demon of cynicism, and that's a demon of complacency. We must always vote. I have two very strong thoughts on this. Our rights come from God. The right to life is our primary vote, uh, right. It's the, it's the most important of all of them. Second only to life is our right to vote. Now look, if we give up our rights, we're giving up on God, in my opinion. How dare we suggest to anybody that in spite of a, a fraud, in spite of a stolen election, that we're not going to vote anymore? Well, Doug, I believe I have a First Amendment right to exercise my right not to vote. No, you don't. There is no right not to vote. You have a right to vote. You have an obligation to vote. If we don't vote, we give them everything. We must show up and continue to show up in massive numbers and vote. And guess what? We're intellectually mature. We are members of the most intellectually mature group of people on the planet. We can fix 2020 and at the same time vote. Don't listen to anybody, no matter their stature in public, no matter their popularity. If they're telling you not to vote, they're not, Amer- they're not patriots. They're not thinking. And, you know, I know we're I guess we're going to be polite, not name names, so I won't do that either. But there are people on the conservative side who said that actually in the Georgia uh, when it was they had two elections really close in Georgia. They had obviously presidential and they had to deal with the uh, and they felt it was great fraud, which I did, too, in Georgia. And then they had their Senate election are people pushing. Well, don't vote. And it was kind of the argument was send a message to Republicans until you fix these things and do this and this. We're not going to vote. And that is a, you know, shooting yourself in the foot isn't even good enough analogy. Right. Because if you say, and I'm gl- I, I've harped on this, I'm glad we're talking about it. If you say, stay home because the legislature didn't fix the law or because I'm afraid of fraud, you're just handing the election to the Democrats. And you yeah. hand it to people say, see, the Republicans don't even care that much. They don't even like our, your candidates. They, they aren't even, and it, I couldn't agree more. And I was so disappointed in some people making that advocacy. I mean, so disappointed. I mean, look, if you want to be cynical about it at least make them earn the right to cheat don't just give up and say not vote. <laughs> yeah yeah at, at least show up and vote and make them work for it i mean come on it makes no sense it makes no sense you do not have a first amendment right not to vote that's dishonoring not only god who gives us our rights but let's talk about people who are in the military who literally died and were wounded on the battlefield to protect the rights that are given to us by god i have a high amount of emotion about this and it, we've got to put the kibosh on that nonsense I want to go back to something we were talking about earlier about you know, who's going to save America because it's not going to be. I mean, it's interesting like in history you say, well, you know, we conjure up the Revolutionary War. And most people say, well, George Washington, you know, look, obviously he was a leader and he became the president. But he wasn't alone. He didn't fight the whole battle with the, no. with the British by himself. Right. Same with Abraham Lincoln, Civil War. And many times we look historically and we have a figure who emerged as a leader and they were a thought leader and they had ideas and strategies but it takes, it took many, many people, even back, even before we got going in the Revolutionary War, even to have the conversation among people who are British subjects in what we now call New England, 
sitting around talking about, you know, do you think we could stand up against King George? These things are, do we dare do this? Those people had to inspire other people. They had to sit in the taverns and the bars and wherever they sat, you know, town square, and then go home and talk to their wife and their kids and their brother and their neighbors. You had to convince people. And that's part of what I think your podcast does, mine does, and I think the, the your conferences and mine and what Clay Clark does, it helps people feel inspired, recognize many people are seeing things like I am and many, and I'm val they're validating how I see things and they're giving me ideas of how to speak, new language to use, new uh, analogies to make. But then you have, they have to get motivated, have to realize we will lose the Republic unless we stay in this battle. And it's everybody, it's everyone's yep. battle. It's not, you, even if you got Trump in the White House tomorrow, which I do not, it's not going to happen, but if you did, the harm to America, the pummeling of the idea of America by anti-American communists has been, you, you can't fix it overnight with some new president. Right. So the, the masses, the, the people rising up is what it's going to take to save this country. Your thoughts? Yeah, it, it, it squarely rests on the shoulders of we the people. I mean, not President Trump. Look, I, I love President Trump. I personally think he's the best president this republic has ever had. I think he, his image deserves to be on Mount Rushmore, in my opinion. I mean, I, I think and perhaps the greatest thing that President Trump did was pull back the curtain of the deep state. The greatest thing that we could have had done was to reveal the depth and the width of this problem called the deep state. These these things that are in the background and that we really need to pay attention to with regards to who we vote for. You know, the rhinos in office, the Mitt Romney's in office, the Mitch McConnell's, the, the Ben Sasses of the world. We've got to get rid of these people. We've got to and vote them out. When I say get rid, I'm not talking about assassination. <laughs> got to be careful about what I say. Did you hear what Billing said on Debbie's show? We, we have, it's determined patriotism and it's we the people. There are people, and I'm sure you've had people tell you, whether it's through email or you're talking to them in person, well, if Trump can't do it, we're screwed. Or if Trump can't do yeah. it, where's the leadership? Who's, well, I always tell people, be the leader that you want, be the leader that you imagine. It's we the people. Some people, we have to use our time, our talent, and our treasures, our gifts. Some people sit behind a microphone. Some people watch the show. It's the people that watch the show who are the most important people out there. It, it, they, it's we the people. And, and it, so the, the way back to all of this is through our involvement. To, you know, it really is. And General Flynn says it. Local involvement has national impact. And it couldn't be more true. And for anybody who's wondering out there, I've never met a more thoroughly dedicated patriot than General Michael Flynn. Yep. He is in many ways the... You know, he's one of the refounders of this republic. Every time I see a picture of him or I meet with him, I talk to him about five times a week. I see a picture of him with Mike Lindell or with Patrick Byrne or with Sidney Powell or with Clay Clark. And I think to myself, this, we are living in a time where we're seeing refounders. They're the George Washingtons, the Ben Franklins, the Thomas Jeffersons. They're refounding. I, General Flynn is, a, is a, an American hero. He's a patriot, and he's in this thing to serve the republic. And what we have to do on the conservative side is to remember that we have got to stop circling our wagons and firing inward. Yeah, when we circular have, firing we, squad. We, we, we've got to stop it. We, we can disagree about the minutiae, but we have to support each other. 
I do want to get to that point. But one thing we were talking about a moment ago, what Trump accomplished, he did really he, he uh, drew back the curtain and helped more yeah. people recognize the deep state, which is not all the American left. It is actually a uniparty. Many people on the right yeah. are uh, we would think are Republicans or they should, on our side are also part of that deep state. It's important not to. And in fact, I think it helps people understand it's not just a party issue and I'm standing up you know, for my party against your party. It is standing up for America or not America. And that's a terminology I use a lot in my show. But I do think the other thing Trump accomplished was he made people rethink about what America is. I and mean, he made people because he talked about the border. When he said we simply have to have border security, we have to have a wall. And, and he because he talked about how the left was simply willing to allow the border to be porous and to allow he actually helped people understand that, you know, the left won't defend America. Why is that? Why would they be okay with the border uh, porous? And and I and this has been my thing since I started writing and speaking and all that. It's just to have people more deeply understand the unique idea of America could do more for the republic than almost anything. It, whether it's school teachers, you know, the whole 1619 project has invaded the oh, public yeah. schools, the BLM stuff. We've got to get back to kids learning, as, as I did growing up, the unique extraordinary greatness of America. The ideas on Pitch It was founded, I agree, they were divinely inspired, divinely provided ideas that gave structure to the Declaration, the Constitution, all of that were just, and, and I think that's one of the biggest callings of, of for our time is to have a reignited love of and understanding of America because the left has managed over decades to say, well, you know, America had really bad foreign policy here and America doesn't work for this group of, of Americans. That's part of you, you talk about people wanting to be involved and finding a niche. That's a huge one. Just re-engage in your daily life with people on the extraordinary, unique greatness of this country in all human history. Amen. Oh, I agree completely. I, there, there's, um, when we, when we look at the greatness of America, um, you know, it's American exceptionalism. It's real. And it's not, it's, this is not an ego statement about America. I, and I'm sure you do, I'm sure members of the audience, you've spoken with people that are from Europe or wherever. We're pulling for America. You've got to pull through this tyranny. You've got to yes. get through this because whereby goes America, so therefore goes the world. And we, we are the nation set on the hill. We are a light to the world. Right. Again, not an ego statement. I believe that to be the truth. And so people around the world realize it and they look to America to, to, to get back on its feet and they're rooting for us. They are. I mean, you know, you look at the people who, God help them, in Australia, you know, the shutdowns, the, the camps, they're being forced to, I, my prayers are with everyone in Australia, New Zealand, everywhere. And they reach out to us and say, you've got to pull through guys. Doug, you've got to, and we're with you. So Trump first, you're right. He, he pointed out American, American exceptionalism. There's a guy who was a friend and a mentor of mine, Rush Limbaugh. He said, don't ever apologize for your convictions as a conservative because you're right. Your convictions as a conservative are correct. The other side, the liberal kook fringe, the intellectually immature, they're not correct. They're just, now they have their opinions. How can an opinion be wrong, Doug? Well, let me show you. How much time do you have? So let me <laughs> yeah. show you. Let me yeah. show you. And you're right. They want to, de they want to, they're, look, anybody who's elected right now in the Commie Socialist Party, remember class, no more Democrats in the elected class in America. There are no more Democrats. They're all Commie Socialists. And they want the complete destruction and de-evolution of America. Barack Obama himself said it, and I believe him. 
Okay, we're going to get to a moment when I think someone has a microphone. I don't know if someone is, Eric has it. Okay, so we'll pass the microphone around in a minute. Welcome and take questions. But I want to just say something else about, um, I gave a speech the other night and um, somebody came up afterwards and said, you know, I, I had said something about the Kumbaya Club and I was just talking about the people who just, they somehow, if we just were socialists, everything would be fair and everything would be equal. And, and so I was talking about actually the, the impact on the military and how the American military has been corrupted by this social justice warrior, critical race theory thinking. And so you have, instead of National Guard weekends where you're, you know, practicing your shooting skills or practicing your, uh, you know, you're your staying in shape and you're, you're, or you're practicing uh, drills and learning new strategy, they sit around all weekend talking about who hurts somebody else's feelings and use the incorrect pronoun. I mean, it is <laughs> loopy. And I, I referred to that as the kumbaya kind of leftist. And this person said after was very valid. Actually, she said it in Q&A was, you know, it's almost like giving them an excuse to talk about the kumbaya club. And, and I want to, you know, you mentioned a minute ago about how most Americans don't like what's happening. Most Americans are right with the conservatives, I think. I think it's a significant majority. There is a cabal of leftists who actually love everything that's happening. They're, it's exactly what they want to happen, and they're, they're cheering it on. Obama, Susan Rice, Valerie Jarrett, the whole uh, George Soros, all those people cheering it on. But it's this kumbaya club that is not really, they're not militant leftists. And I think they are starting to recognize, you know, it just sounded really good when we talked about all this, but now, now it's happening to our country and this crazy spending that's coming. And once I see what the Green New Deal is going to do and take away my right to have my car, my home and where I want to live, they're all of a sudden going to realize, and it's the Kumbaya Club, I hope, that podcasts like yours and mine and conferences can reach into. I mean, do you have any sense that they're, you know what I'm saying, beyond reaching the people who show up, I, I just feel like there has to be a... There has to be an awakening. We have to try to be speaking to those people. Yes, and I think the awakening is happening. To our earlier point, I think that the nightmare is so intense and so bad that more people are waking up. I think that's a given. I think that it's going to be obvious when we get into the next election cycle. Um, we, we have, you know, you speak, you know, Texas is a prime example of last winter, what you all went through with regards to the, the ice storm, the winter storm that came through, and all of a sudden there's no heat, there's no energy. You know, thank you, Governor Abbott. Great move, thank you. You know, um, we 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 uh, we we see these kinds of things happening all across the United States, and we have to understand that it's part of the playbook of the left. It's it's purposeful. They they it's not accidental. Right. Uh, so yes, more people are waking up, and we do have to speak to the Kumbaya Club. We do have to speak. Look, nobody likes to go to the grocery store and pay twelve dollars for a pound of beef or $6 a gallon for a gallon of gas, which has happened just in the last few months of the Biden administration. So people will wake up, how can this possibly be better? And you're right, it sounds great. It's always sounded great. The talk of communist socialism has always sounded great. But when it's actually tried, you know, when you actually put it in place, it falls apart. Klaus Schwab is another person that you all ought to research and understand who he is with regards to the Great Reset. There's a great, he put out a book, it's, you know, he, he's talking about coronavirus. He's talking about the shutdowns of world economies. And Dr. Fauci and Bill Gates and his foundation have been right there with him all along. Oh, yeah. We've had talked about the Klaus Schwab and the famous, among many quotes, but the famous one about by 2030, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, just think about that mindset. And it is a very, it's that kind of 
we're smarter than you, the ruling elite, the smartest people, and we're going to figure everything out. We'll parcel out who can own what and who can do what, and you'll all be happy. We'll give you enough. It, it is so antithetical to everything about America's founding, the right of the individual to live in freedom, God-given rights. And I just hope more people can, I mean, that Klaus Schwab is kind of helping us if we can keep publishing his, what's having to say. Okay, yeah. so we have opportunity for people to ask questions in the audience. My husband has a microphone there. And you can raise your hand, and I'll just tell you that your voice is going on air, so get the microphone right up, just like at a speech the other night. Yeah, right. right <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, I'm not used to these kind of mics, but uh, yeah, you got to get your mouth right on them. Uh, yeah, uh, fantastic hearing from you here, and I just wanted to see if we could get a little more insight from you from your experience as an HR director, um, a vice president. Um, I was fired from my job because of the vaccine mandate, and what I learned was that. The companies, large companies especially, the larger the company, the more vulnerable they are to any move by the federal government. And I don't think a lot of people fully understand where the tentacles of the federal government are. And I think it's aimed right at the HR department. You were kind of on the tip of the spear in that job. And I'm wondering if you could kind of explain to us a little more about what exactly kind of pressure these companies are under when the president, for instance, puts down an executive order saying you have to vaccinate all your employees. Actually, the upper echelons of most companies that I've worked with in the private sector are under very little pressure, except from their employees. And, they, and the people that, and the, the, most employees don't want to be forced to have a jab, believe it or not. Most don't. They, the ones that do, the ones that are on board with this mandatory masking and the mandates are very vocal. And so we're, we're the conservative party. We're polite. We're pleasant. Who wouldn't want to be at a cocktail party with us? Because we're nice and friendly and we have a good sense of humor. But the other people are radical um, activists who will raise a big stink. Now, in, in my former company, uh, the upper echelons of, of the leadership were woke. They, 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 sub, they have succumbed to this woke culture where we have to, you know, the, 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 the commentary that, well, if you don't get a vaccine, then you're really not taking care of grandma or you're not taking care of your multiple, um, you know, the person in your family who has multiple pre-existing medical conditions and who's medically fragile. Think of them. Never mind the right to make up your own mind. Where are these people? You know, we go back and forth about the right to choose on many different levels. What, what, they, what they're doing is illegal. They're, it's unconstitutional to force you to take any medicine. It just simply is. Now, the courts this week and last have been rejecting and just taking away uh, Administrator Biden's new mandate rules, right? So that just yesterday, the, the Senate voted to cancel the 100, you know, 100 employee or more mandate rule. That's gone. Now we have to address our military. We have to save our military. But to your, I think to your point, uh, my experience is most people, most people within a company, any company, are all for freedom of of choice. They, if you want the jab, go ahead and get it. If you want to wear a mask, by all means, mask up and go for it. The thing is, the leadership, you know, in healthcare, there's so much to talk about and so many ways to answer the question. I'll, I'll just be brief. You know, have you heard of the CARES Act, where it rewards financially hospitals and healthcare providers to diagnose a COVID patient or to admit a COVID patient or to vent a, a COVID patient. Hey, you'll get 15,000 extra dollars if you diagnose a patient who has COVID. Oh, and by the way, here's $35,000 if you admit that patient to your hospital. If you vent him, we'll give you $135,000. Oh, by the way, if the patient dies and he had COVID or she did, we'll give you $200,000. So the guy with the motorcycle, you've heard the stories. Oh, he died of a motorcycle crash. He died, oh, but we've tested him and he had the virus. 
died of COVID. I mean, it's crazy. It is so crazy. I think the majority is on our side, but, and we have to, we have to just work. The woke movement is powerful and we have to get to work to fix it. We do. Um, I was gonna, I don't know if anyone else has a hand. Someone does have a hand up. Okay, couldn't see, go ahead. Yep. I'm retired military. Thank you for your service. <laughs> You're welcome. And uh, the thing that bothered me when I was in the uh, leadership role was that the unelected bureaucrats really ran the uh, service. And I'm seeing that more and more as uh, with the elected officials, they don't even read the bill. Yeah. And so what can we do to get control of all these unelected people who are running our government, our military, and everything around us? It's called determined patriotism. It's going to take, um, you're going to have to give yourself the blessing of patience. and You're going to have to get to work to change it on the local level. And it means getting involved and speaking up and speaking often. I wish I had, you know, there, there are a lot of people out there that want the magic fairy dust just to come down upon us and so everything goes back to normal and we wake up and it's all, oh gosh, this was just a dream and now it's all back. Um, you know, and again, I'm all about truth and not hopium. What we are experiencing is a nightmare. It's going to take decades to get back to where we need it. It's going, your, your grandchildren may not see the restoration of America to where it was before, excuse me. Thank, and speaking of saving the Republic, Jet here will do his part. But, we, but it's going to take decades. And we just, as a conservative movement, we need to come to grips in terms with that. It took decades. It took decades for us to get here. Uh, I have not had the honor of serving in the military. Um, I don't know. I know this. The upper echelons of the general millies of the world uh, don't like, they don't, stand for and believe in what President Trump stood for. And so to think that the military is in charge, all I have to do is look to the upper echelons of, of the military to know that that's rubbish. General Milley and the like don't respect the man because at, in 2016, he came in and said, you guys are a bunch of losers. You don't know how to win anymore, which is the truth. Now, the rank and file love the guy. It's the same. I mean, we just the answer to your question shortly and succinctly is it's going to take determined patriotism to get a, to get control of the people of which and of whom you are speaking to either weed them out, get, vote them out, uh, the non-elected, and, 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 to, and to begin to speak up and to gather in groups at work who have like-minded opinions and philosophies as you and begin to speak truth to power. And it takes a certain amount of bravery. There are people that will say to us, I might be fired or people that have been fired because they've stood up to this tyranny. What I say to them is congratulations, you're now free. Just imagine that. You can now go and do and pursue whatever you want to do. And if you want to know about jobs that don't require the jab, I will tell you where to find jobs. Congratulations, don't worry about it. Be free and fight back and gather together with people who think like you do. Yeah, well, we're gonna take it back. We're gonna be fine. That's the, that's the ultimate good news. We will be fine. I love that message. You know, I, I think, you know, despite all the challenges we face, I often end shows by saying truth will win, America will win, God will win. The only question is how many people, how long, how many people get involved in the fight in history? And, um, you know, I'm going to jump around. I had a bunch of points that I wanted to, um, and I don't know if anyone else had their hand up. Very quickly, one thing you said I meant to um, expound on, you talked about how hospitals would 
designate someone's death as a death from COVID because it was, um, they yeah. had COVID at the time they passed on, but right. didn't really cause their death. I don't know if you saw the story out of Italy, but Italy released numbers. They had, a, you know, their, whatever their equivalent of their uh, data from CDC, the number of people that they had been attributed, uh, COVID had been attributed as a cause of death. They went back and looked through and said, okay, how many of these people actually died from COVID versus with COVID? Did you, did you see this? I have. I've seen it. Okay. If, I, if you weren't watching a show that day, I'll just tell you, and this is on our website too, but when they looked through to actual percentage who died of COVID, of the entire numbers, they haven't recalled that the absolute number was 3% died of COVID. 3% of all the massive numbers they've been putting out, 97% died they had, I mean, they, 3% died from COVID, 97% died from something else, but they happened to have COVID, so that it got attributed. I mean, literally, it reduced the number so drastically that it made more, more of the people of Italy very upset with how oppressive their government's being in terms of uh, the vaccine passport and all that. And one thing I want to just talk about this working away at the American people in the spirit of America. This uh, attempt to have vaccine passports and mandates and you can't work unless you have the, the jab and all that. What I love is it's starting to reawaken in people this sense that, you know, in America, I'm supposed to get decide, to decide this myself or put the other way as a vehicle to suppress people, COVID and COVID policy. It chips away at that sense of the right of the person, the individual in America, to be in charge. There's a presumption of yeah. control of my life, presumption of control of my health care, presumption that I get to make decisions about me. This is part of what this COVID, I forgot what the name you word you used in the beginning of the show, but you're talking about COVID was a... The biggest a, nothing burger in the history of history. Biggest nothing history. burger. It, yes. it really, I mean, this con, but it, because they have instilled fear so thoroughly and so many people are so frightened um they'll just seem like they'll just okay tell me next what i have to do it just takes away it robs us of what is that just kind of historic can do positive upbeat american we have liberty here it, it really is a it's another element of destroying the culture of america it's, I, I wanted to respond because you, you were it saying. Is, it, I mean, it, it clearly is the biggest nothing burger in the history of hysteria. And the, and the stats that you mentioned from Italy are in perfect alignment with what we've known since the very beginning. Roughly 100% of us, statistically speaking, 100% of us will survive COVID. Okay. And, and, and I mean, that's been borne out. That's proven. I was watching Tucker Carlson the other night, who I still like. I, I wish Tucker would step out of what Fox makes him say and allows him to say because he works for a network that doesn't let not even tucker carlson can tell the whole truth right. because the network won't let him but he did a story last week and maybe some of you saw it where he said that in america you know here we are in america where millions of people from around the planet come for their health care we have in this country the highest covid death rates in the entire world and i go tucker tucker Stop it. That's not true. It's absolutely not true. What he's reporting is these COVID numbers that are inflated, the motorcycle accidents, the guy who's been obesely overweight, who has asthma, the person who has diabetes, uh, the multiple competing medical conditions, people that are medically fragile. Right. They have the virus. They would have been fine, but they ended up dying for, from other causes. But since they had COVID, they list it. So he's quoting these numbers that are false. And I just wish that Tucker would, you know, look at the data and have the bravery to step out and say, wait a minute, 
but Fox won't let him. So maybe when his contract is up. Well, Fox he can... won't let him talk about the election fraud either. No, He's no just election a... fraud. Yep, yep. Yeah. Fortunately, I do in my show, you do on your show. I want to make sure as we wrap up, um, I meant to say at the beginning how people can listen to you. Uh, I know you have, or what I did today uh, and yesterday was went to DougBillings.us. Thank you. Well, you've shown yourself to be blessed among women to do that. There you go. Okay. Actually, on my show, too, I'm constantly saying this because I got permanently <laughs> banned from YouTube. Yeah. Vimeo took down all of my shows, so I had to yeah. rebuild the whole website because yeah. they did that. Yeah. Um, so driving people to my website, that's my thing. AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America can we talk.org but your website dougbillings.us you can see all the shows easy to watch but whether and, and i want to mention too you have a telegram account which you're very active and i think that's important for people too so and i don't know how quick who in this audience has telegram yeah. see these smart people see Billings. okay so t tell us how you want people to find you i think primarily dougbillings.us uh, that's the website we go over the if you go over there you can see the catalog of all of the shows that we do um we, we're on beck tv um beck.news um rumble all of those you know and all that but dougbillings.us is where i would rather have people just go land and they can peruse the website. There's all sorts of stuff over there to check out. Yeah, it's, it's what and actually as you as we have social media trying to clamp down all the time. It's funny because we put this show out in Rumble, too. And then I saw someone expressing concern about Rumble that they are is they Canadian owned. It was kind of a be careful about Rumble. So all I know is I'll put this show out wherever I can, certainly on Rumble and Gab and a, a bunch of them, the, whatever, all the usual yeah. ones. Uh, and actually, I'm still on Twitter. They haven't taken me off Twitter. So am I. How did, how, did, how did we survive Twitter? I don't know. I, don't know. I shouldn't say it out loud. Now, see, they're coming after you now. <laughs> now they're going to know, Deb. Twitter's been good. Facebook, I'm, I'm still on Facebook. Oh, so am I. Sometimes I go to Facebook jail, but, but I'm still on. I had only once Facebook jail. I forget what I did wrong. But anyway, okay. Uh, Doug Billings, this has just been wonderful. I think, we, yeah, we could take one more very quick question Good. if there is one. I, I don't know if anybody else had one. Okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> Hold on one sec. I'll give you the microphone so the audience, the listeners can hear it. So you talked about not shooting each other. And so I've been on Telegram kind oh, of watching something. Yes. Yeah. So can you give us some insight what in the world's going on? I can give you my insight as, as far as, you know, I have the advantage of on my show, you know, there, there are people out there, um, who, a very dear friend of mine, Ann Vandersteel, who's, a, who's an investigative journalist, right? So I am not an investigative journalist. I'm a, I'm a guy who has the luxury of just sitting behind a microphone in front a of a commentator. camera who gives you his opinion about what he's noticing in the world, okay? So Telegram, uh, for those of you <laughs> that have seen this back and forth circular firing squad, I've had... Um, there's a couple of people, and I hesitate whether or not to name them, uh, because when my dad, who was also in HR, taught me a long time ago that when you're dealing with nonsense, no response is, in fact, a response. And so I try not to credit them or give what they've said any credence by commenting upon it, but there are some in the movement who have just shown up in the last couple of years and have criticized General Flynn uh, for a prayer that he said to St. Michael, which, you know, General Flynn is a Catholic. I'm Catholic. And, and we, you know, Flynn is not a, he's not a, what he, his forte is not speaking about Jesus Christ and the gospel. His forte is saving America and speaking from his experience as a general. So he looked on you, your Instagram or Telegram or the, the internet and found this prayer. Everybody went crazy. You know, that prayer was recited by a Satanist, I mean, et cetera, et cetera. And so they started to crucify in the public square, General Flynn. Now, Clay Clark, myself, we're all caught up in that because I defended and I went to General Flynn's. I mean, General Flynn for me is the America. He's not only America's general, he's the world's general. 
So you have other, a couple of other people who have not really been involved. They're lawyers who have been involved with very important American law cases, but they've not been involved in saving the Republic, who chimed in and called us everything from members of the Illuminati to, um, to non-patriots to, you know, Satanists. To, uh, I don't know. It's Cookville, absolute Cookville. But all I know is that we have important work to do to save this republic, and I am not going to delve in and name and talk about nonsense, absolute nonsense. There are zealots, disciples of these people that are saying those things that will go out there and try to engage and say terrible, horrible things. But if you get a chance to talk about it, make sure that you remind people Doug Billings, Clay Clark, General Flynn are not members of the Illuminati. <laughs> we're, we're Christian men. And we believe in Jesus Christ, and we pray to Jesus. And I always wrap up and in prayers in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God help America. So it's it's crazy kookville that I just won't comment much more about it than that. Yeah. I love that. We're about out of time. I want to say on the subject of the circular firing squad, because I do get people asking, why don't you talk about it in your show? Here's, here's what I go with. Number one, I actually trust my instincts about people. I am 100% certain that Lieutenant General Michael Flynn is an extraordinary patriot, a solid Christian, and a great man. I am grateful for him. So when I hear people attacking him, I think they're either confused or maybe even a little bit mentally off. I trust him implicitly. Sidney Powell, longtime friend, been on my show many times. Again, recently, just two weeks ago, whenever that was. Trust her. Uh, and I notice she's really staying above the fray. She's not, she's not getting into this ongoing thing on Telegram. But the final thing I remind you is trust your instincts. Uh, and also, when people have been doing good for America, which all these people have, you can value the good that they've been doing, dismiss whatever they're saying that is just kooky and, and don't give it oxygen, don't give it discussion, don't give it a name. Uh, we don't have enough patriots in this country. We don't have enough conservatives to be in a circular firing squad picking on somebody because they said something you didn't quite like or you thought the way they said it might not have been accurate. We don't have enough of those. This is America truly is an extraordinary, extraordinarily consequential time in our history. We are facing the anti-American left would happily destroy this country think they have won the battle. They're, they're working to destroy the very fabric of America. Everyone who understands America's unique greatness must be on board. Don't join the circular firing squad. Don't give them oxygen. Don't repeat. Stand up for what you know is right and true. I really, I love Sidney Powell. I love Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Clay Clark is just a rock solid, uh, clear thinking conservative, as are you, Doug Billings. And we are out of time. So I thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Debbie. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. I encourage folks for next week, our Thursday show, we have Chad Prather on. He is running for Texas governor, and he's very funny and very entertaining, so he's on. And then we're taking the 23rd off, uh, and then the final Thursday in, uh, in December, we have uh, Congressman Louie Gohmert, who is coming in, uh, he's going to be in the studio talking about his run for Texas Attorney General, why he's doing this, v very big shakeup in, in Texas. And we have our regular shows Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. And I encourage you, no matter where you're watching this, watch on my website, americacanwetalk.org. I do this show to stand up for the unique, extraordinary greatness of America. I encourage you to tune in every Monday through Thursday to America Can We Talk, where I talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time.
Talk, Truth About America.